Hey everybody, welcome back to the Video Production Academy podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by Michelle Hoffman. Hi Michelle, how are you? I'm so happy to be here, Lee. Thank you so much for having me join you. Oh no, you're very welcome. We were just having a bit of a giggle before we started recording, so I think we're still in giggle mode at the moment. (laughs) It's a good way to start. Absolutely. Life's too short to be too serious. Ooh, you're telling me. So anyway, to start off with, I think it would be really good if you introduced yourself and told the audience more about what it is that you do. About what I do. Okay, I will tell you that, let's see, I'm going to roll back a moment and say my story started every year on my birthday. It's a tradition that we have a cake with candles. We light the candles. We close our eyes. We blow out the candles and we make a wish. So think about, I mean, I'm actually kind of curious what other people wished for when you were little. What did you wish for in your candles? I don't know, because we didn't do birthday cakes in our house. I've got a super quick story, though, about my husband's 50th birthday. So we'd only been married, oh gosh, about four months, five months. And he'd never had a birthday party. So we did this big surprise birthday party for his 50th. And we got the cake and the candles and everybody went, ha, and he blew the candles out. So we had to light the candles again and do it all again. It's funny, we don't really realize that that is a tradition and there's, you know, first you're going to do this, then we're going to sing a song. It's, it's the most popular song in the world, I understand. And then you're going to close your eyes and make a wish and blow out the candles. Once and then, the people finish singing. <laughs> but you have to wait. And that's really, that is interesting because we don't, we set the tone and we have a tradition, but we don't know who doesn't know the tradition. Yes. Very good. So you told him. So when I was a little girl, I would close my eyes and I wasn't really wishing for a pony or a bike like many other kids I think might have been. I was wishing every single year to be in the healthy relationship with a partner who I could marry and you know, kind of the American dream, grow up, build a house, what white picket fence. At 2.5 children, the 0.5 was the dog in our case. And that's what I wished for every single year on my birthday. And when I grew up, it took a little longer than I thought it was going to, but I did find the man of my dreams. And we did get to uh, be boyfriend, girlfriend, which I loved. And we got to be fiance and we got to get married. And everyone was so happy about this. And the love was so it's so real like people are still sending messages about yeah I remember when you would walk in the room and how the other person would light up and the whole room it was just this energetic connection so I actually got to marry the man of my dreams and together we built a home we welcomed children into the world through us we built a life together and it was you know it wasn't fancy Facebook perfect but it was our kind of perfect. And we built it the way that we wanted it to be. And I literally, it was perfect until he died. And I just didn't see that coming. I had my life all planned out. And, you know, we can travel obstacles together. It was the two of us against the world. And this left me as just me against the world, head of household, sole parent, and you guessed it, single. And I'm just like, ugh, my landscape was scorched and I needed to figure out what do I do with my life now? 
So I did figure it out. And not only for myself, I figured it out for the kids. One of the things that's coming to mind is I used to go to him for pretty much everything. He was a very intelligent man. And so did the kids. And one person cannot be your everything. So much like a business had a board of directors, I built an advisory board for myself. And then I realized the kids don't know who to go to for what now either. So I built this advisory board for each of them. Anyway, we're trudging along and pulling things together. And I was being invited or requested or pleaded to please write this guide because people were so impressed at how I had pulled life together after this tremendous loss. And then a friend of mine who went, I used to go running with, went out for a run, had a heart attack and died. And I thought, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then I realized based on what I've just told you, I actually do know what to do. So I went to his widow and said, this is never going to be okay. I'm going to hold your hand and walk this journey with you. Let's project manage this thing. And so I put, you know, kind of these seven big steps together that I put together for myself and the kids and did that with her and her kids. And people noticed and they started sending me out in the community to help other people. And I'm like, you guys, I need to get a job. And they were saying, no, this is your job. Write the guide that you did not have and help people through changes that they need to have in their life or that they want to make in their life. Or how do you get through dramatic trauma or significant loss? So I wrote Life Worth Living and it became an international bestseller. And people were coming to me from all over the world and saying, can you help me through this? So that's kind of how things got started. And that's how I learned about video. Not the standard route. Oh, it would never be the standard route. For me. <laughs> you can put a clear path and forward and I'm going to somehow be like, how did this obstacle come in? I'm actually really good at helping people move through, around, under, circuitously through obstacles so that they can achieve their goals. Because as you just pointed out, I've spent my whole life doing it. But I'll tell you, do you want to know about my first crazy video experience? Well, that was going to be my very next question was to mm -hmm. ask what your experience was like, because I have to say, this is the most extreme case that I've <laughs> ever heard. Just what somebody wants to hear. <laughs> The reason that I say it, though, is because if you can do this and navigate it, mm. because yours is such an extreme example, somebody else will be able to navigate it as well. Because it's one thing to go, oh, you know, I'm a bit shy. But mm. well, I'll let you tell the story because, you know, it's your story to tell. Right. OK, so my publisher was thrilled with my book and what I had written and how I was helping people. And so we made an audible on it. We made, we've got the paperback and we have electronic copy of this book and the subsequent one that I wrote. But she's asked me to be on the red carpet at this big event. And I really, I'm pretty good in person. I, you know, I can see the audience. I can kind of assess, do I rate this G, R, P, G? Do I go for it? What is the deal here? And 
And she invited me to come and be on the red carpet. I just didn't think it through. I was so excited. I need a fancy dress and I need to get my hair done and I need to put on makeup. And I just, that's what I thought about the whole thing. I didn't focus on anything else. So here I am, I've flown to Washington DC. I'm in a castle and somebody is saying, my publisher's like, go, they're going to do a quick video of you. And this is where it began because I sat down and they put a little microphone on me and they literally had the words on the teleprompter. All I needed to do was read the words on the teleprompter. And suddenly they went action. And I was like, Ugh. and I froze for a moment. And I'm like, read words on teleprompter, I can do this. So I'm reading the words on the teleprompter. And then I'm thinking in my head, why are they not stopping? Because there's this huge construction going on somewhere. And there's this pounding and pounding and pounding, but nobody else is responding to it. So I'm like, okay. And I read the words on the teleprompter. I literally have no idea how fast I read them because who knows, I was not all there all of a sudden. And what I realized was it wasn't construction. It was my knees banging together out of nerves. I was so panicked. I was so nervous once they said action. I had no idea that I was going to have this response. And when they said, perfect, it's a take. I'm like, <gasps> I barely got a breath in. I barely threw my microphone off. I literally felt that the seat was on fire. I had to get out of there. And so I did. And it was the next day that my publisher was having this huge red carpet event and there were paparazzi, there were lights and cameras and flashes. There was an audience, a sea of people. There was cameras, there was me, and there was this lovely man interviewing me. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on here? Why am I so nervous? Like all the things that they say, your body prepares you for some major thing. My palms are sweating. My, I mean, like that dress, ugh, there was nothing to save me. And I had a friend with me and she's like, Michelle, you get up in front of people and do workshops and trainings. You could get up in front of a Coliseum unprepared and be fine. And I'm like, I know, but those are the people right there. I know who I'm speaking to. And this is camera. And I had to figure out what am I so worried about? And the greatest advice ever at the moment was, why don't you take off your heels? Because we don't want you to pass out. I'm like, passing out seems like a good option. Like, I didn't know how to get out of this moment where I'm going to be videoed and on film. And I had to do it anyway. And my support group is like literally shoving me barefoot in my fancy dress up on stage. And the cameras and the flashes. And here I am. And they're like, going Michelle Hoffman, life worth living, international bestseller. She's helping people all over the world. And I'm like, oh my God, who have I become? I mean, I was a portfolio manager. I was a high level executive in a medical publishing company. I was a social scientist at Stanford University. I could do all those things. This felt very different. And I didn't know that if I was ready for it or not. 
So it was more not. And I didn't, I couldn't figure out how do I get out of this? So here I am. And my interviewer asks me, so how do you help people through traumatic loss and grief? And I'm like, oh, uh, what? Why are you asking me about grief? I'm actually a really positive person. I hate grief. And I literally froze. I left my body because evidently that was the only escape route that I could come up with. I think it's what fight, flight, freeze, or ally. I think there's a couple of options, but evidently I just left. I was out. And it's very interesting because I've seen the playback of this video and people who know me can see that I'm nervous, but you barely see what has happened from my experience in this experience. Because from my experience, time stood still, you know, in movies and videos, they do that. Time stood still, I left my body and I had some time to think about things. Maybe I was just thinking about them very quickly, but here's what happened. I thought, why is he asking me about grief? Grief is terrible and it's horrible and ugh. And if I say something, that's recorded like this and someone else sees it, might they get offended? And I'm gonna be honest with you, I found myself in the grand presence at one point in this process at the breakfast table with a friend of mine and her husband. They happened to be Beth and Guy Kawasaki. And I didn't know that Guy was Beth's husband when I made friends with Beth, that's not how I choose my friends. Guy Kawasaki is the branding guru of the world. And he helped Steve Jobs evangelize Apple computer. This is a brilliant mind who has incredible experience, insight and wisdom. And so when I asked him, you know, should I write this book? I had told him the story I told you about my friend. And he said, that's the book to write, write the book. And when Guy Kawasaki points his finger at you and says, write the book, you write the book. And on the way home from that meeting, I was like, oh, gut punch. Why? Why didn't I ask Guy Kawasaki if I should write a book on amazing food and orgasms I've enjoyed all over the world? And here's what was really happening in my head at that moment on the red carpet with the lights, with the cameras on. I was afraid to say the word orgasm because I don't want to offend anyone in any way ever. That was my big block. So in my mind's eye, I'm like, don't say it. Don't tell that part of the story. And how do I help people through tremendous change in their life? How do I take you from the intensely painful grieving period of losing who you used to be and stepping into who you want to become? And so I'm like, I'm just gonna tell him, that's what I'm gonna do. And I came back into my body and I took a breath and I said, grief is complicated and it's ambiguous and it roams the house at night and smothers the children. And it prevents you from getting anything done by filling your eyes with tears and blurring your vision so you can't see what to do next. 
And when you're really thinking you're moving forward, it slams your head against the wall, drops you to the kitchen floor, grief puts its foot on your neck and prevents you from breathing or seeing your future. You can see the interview going, whoa. <laughs> so at that point, I actually, you know, said the way that I help people through these huge transformations in life is by inviting grief or trauma or whatever this experience is in to have a cup of tea at the table and have a chat and identify what grief holds so it doesn't have a hold on you so that you can identify what grief is has got in its grip that you can treasure and honor. And that's how grief can actually help move you forward. So here it was, I got through it. Nobody really even noticed the huge trauma that I had experienced I had had, but I'm like, Phew. okay, so a few days later, there's another red carpet and everyone wants me on it again. And I'm like, okay, gotta wash the dress. And here we go. And I have plenty of family and friends there, including my mom. And my friends had heard the story about how I had left my body because I didn't know how to handle the video camera. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. And they decided that immersion therapy was the right way to support me. And I'm really glad I didn't tell them I was afraid of snakes because what they did when the lights went on and the cameras went on, they all turned their cameras on too. And I'm like, oh, ah, here we go again. And so in my head this time, I didn't really have to leave for that long. I came back and I'm like, if I'm going to help people and support my family doing it, I'm gonna have to say the word orgasm in front of my mother. Mm. And that's what I did. I told the story about, oh, gut punch. Why didn't I tell Guy Kawasaki I wanted to write a book about amazing food and orgasms I've enjoyed all over the world? Because this is my life experience, not that. And my mom did not blink and she did not shirk and she did not think anything of it. And I'm like, okay, I can use video to broaden the reach so that I can help more people and support my family doing it. And what's happened in my growth in that is that I now understand that the person on the other end of the camera, not just the person taking the image or I'm doing it myself, but the listeners are saying, ah, I can hear that she's the one who can help me through the biggest challenges in my life to live my best short and precious life. And when those people come to me and say, can you help me through it? My arms are open and I help them through it from whatever pain island they're in now to the pleasure island that they are dreaming of living. So that is my experience, my, my most dramatic experience with video. And it is definitely a dramatic experience for sure. <laughs> So I'm interested to know kind of where you went to next. So you had the, the experience of being on the red carpet and being on the other side of the, the camera without the control of being on the other side of the camera. 
Mm. I'm interested to know then what the journey was for you to take control of that and then start to use video in your business. Taking control is a really good uh, way to explain that because I'm not sure I've completely got that under my belt. What I've taken control of is being my authentic self and showing who I am. And the more that I understand who I am in the world and how people can see that sometimes better than I see it myself and reflect that and say, here's who I need you to be for me. And that is actually how my business has, I wouldn't say pivot, but spiraled a bit because I wrote the first book it did very, very well. It's still doing well. And I'm happy to share it with any of your listeners because it really does. It's an important message. And there was no guide for this. But more than widows and widowers were coming to me. And, you know, so I put together a video course. And that was actually the big stepping, the first huge stepping stone. One, I could do videos and share what I was doing with the world. But inviting them to do a video course was a way that I could coach more people at once without saying the same thing over and over and over. So what I did was I took the most important information that you need at each developmental stage of moving through a transformation that you've designed for yourself or that I've helped you design. And it could be, you know, still in the pain and suffering and how do I identify what my situation is that I treasure that I'm not willing to move forward for and how do I honor it so it can help me move forward to understanding your why and what is the big impact that you can make in the world. So there's developmental stages that we have in our life that we forget that we continue to develop. You know, you're an infant, you're a toddler, you're a walker, you're a runner, you're a gymnast, you're an athlete, whatever it is that you are we're still growing in these ways. And when there's a big change in your life, you're going through developmental phases. So that's all of what I've put in my videos are the exact things that you need to hear at that point in the developmental growth of this change that you decided to take. That way, one, when I'm working with clients one-on-one, They already know all of the coaching and we can go and customize things and really expedite how you're getting to your goals much more quickly. Then also I offer these little exercises and it's all right there pre-packaged. So now I've got two video programs that can help people not only live their life worth living, but what's transpired is people are coming to me because what I thought was one module of the seven, it's really the one that people are begging for the most. And that's all about relationships. But I wouldn't have known that unless people were coming to me to say, this is what we wanna focus on. So I have now become a relationship coach and we talk about relationships with your inner voice, with your body, with your family, with your kids, with your, X with who you used to be, your relationship with your community, your relationship with your career, your relationship with money, all relationships. And of course, the biggest one that people come to me for is how to attract, keep and enjoy the right love in your life. And so that's now done with video. 
And with video, people can watch it on their own time. They can stop, pause, rewind, go back, and it changes the dynamics completely because I can give a gift that one was first my biggest fear of, I didn't want to say the word orgasm, but two, now I see that people can take this and use it as a tool for themselves in the way that it works best for them. And it expedites the learning and growth process so that they can live their best life right now. And if what it is, is to live with a new love right now, we're going to get you there very quickly. What was your learning curve and your learning process like for getting to grips with video? You know, it's interesting because I have many colleagues who were trying to get comfortable on video and doing a Facebook live. And they give them like this 10 day Facebook live challenge so that they could get in front of the camera. And that wasn't going to work for me. I was like, I either have the message and I'm going to send the message that it needs to be heard or not. And so I really just much like, I just had to make the decision. Is this going to be how I extend my reach and shine my light as a lighthouse so that the right people can come to me as opposed to me trying to chase them down with a flashlight. Do you need me to shed my light on you, on you, on you? It's like, no. So video actually, whether it's a, I don't need to do a 10 day challenge of I have to do it just to get used to it. But when I have the message that I hear people need to hear over and over again, whether it's relationships, parent-child relationships are coming up. So whether you're the child or you're the parent in the relationship, understanding those dynamics. Or I had, there was a week that everyone was coming to me with potentially relationship ending topics that they needed to bring up with their partner or their spouse. And there were so many of them in the week that I'm like, well, I need to speak to this so that whoever doesn't know to come to me or doesn't have access to me can hear the three easy steps to get through it. And it was so, I mean, speaking of orgasms, as long as I'm just going to keep saying it, in these cases, so my clients were coming to me with literally topics, hard topics, difficult topics to bring up with a partner. It was not going to be comfortable, potentially relationship ending, very different but I gave them the three easy steps to get through it. And I said, if you do this exactly as I'm telling you, not only will you not be breaking up with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, you'll be having great sex tonight. And they were like, okay. So one of them calls me the next day and she's like, I did the three easy steps, just like you told me. And we had great sex. Thank you. I'm like, yes. And then the other one I didn't hear back from, like the next day, the day after, it was three days before I got a phone call. And she's like, I had so much anxiety about bringing up this topic. I knew it could be potentially relationship ending. And I did the three easy steps exactly like you told me to do. And we've been having great sex for three days. I didn't have time to call you till now. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> so it's such a beautiful gift that I wouldn't have anticipated that I have to share with the world. So the world, my people, my prospects, my clients come to me 
And they're actually asking me how they're telling me how I can help them through it. But that would not have happened without being able to have the reach of video. And that's really, you know, just saying it's so important to get this message out to people in a way that they can hear it, that it's worth taking the risk of doing it. What tips would you give somebody that is considering starting their video journey and they're sort of on the fence as to whether to do it or not? You know, what comes to mind with this question really is how are you going to share your message? How, what's your impact on the world and how are you going to make that impact? And people, unfortunately, don't sit down and read long novels anymore. So you could write it. You could do speaking engagements, which I do. Uh, you could, you know, how are you going to communicate that message? You, you know, so if you really want to communicate your message to an audience that is going to hear it quickly, easily, in a way that people can access, also in a way that really makes a connection. I think when people see me and hear my communication, it's not just you know, it's verbal and nonverbal communication. Can you understand the language I'm speaking in? Can, do you feel safe talking to me or would you feel safe connecting with me as a coach based on the way that I conduct myself and I present myself in video? If not, then you're not my client. Go and find the right person for you. But if the cadence of which I speak is comfortable. My enthusiasm, my dramatic eyebrows that are always going all over the place. If, you know, because I use my hands when I talk. So there's, if video actually shares more of who you truly are than many other forms of communication, unless you're right in front of someone, which is the best way, but that's one-to-one versus one-to-many. And also you don't have to keep repeating the same message over and over again because video has captured it for you and it's captured the tone, it's captured the cadence. It's a way to encapsulate your message that could potentially last longer than you and reach a wider audience. Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on because there's been so often that people are like, just do it, just get out there and do it. And you've actually looked at it from a different perspective and said, this is the reason why you have to do it. And the just do it is, is absolutely valid. But I think the fact that we all have a message to share and it's our responsibility to share it is actually mm-hmm. the vital part of it. And if we don't share our message, then there's somebody out there that's missing out because we've not done what we should have done. That is a very true statement. And you are so valuable and valued. And the fact that you might be hiding right now rather than sharing who you truly are, we're missing out on you come be available be present perfect so how can people connect with you if you'd like to connect with me come to theartofrelationshipping.com and there's plenty of resources and ways to get my books right there on theartofrelationshipping.com and you can also come and spend time with me directly if you'd like i think that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. If it's not fun, let's change it so that it is. (laughs) 
Oh. People say that working with me, even in the depth of grief, is like being invited into the kitchen table to have a cup of tea. It's okay to cry. And evidently, I can make you laugh. I don't know. But that's what people say. No, I think that's quite accurate. Certainly from the time that we've spent together anyway. <laughs> so come, spend time with me at theartofrelationshipping.com. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. You really make a difference by helping people get their message out through video. Thank you. That's certainly the aim for sure. Thank you for listening to the Video Production Academy podcast or watching it if you're viewing us on YouTube. I'm Lee Midlane and I've been your host for this episode. If you'd like more information, resources or free downloads, head over to the Video Production Academy at www.videoproductionacademy.co.uk. Reach out if you have any questions, queries or comments and subscribe to hear more inspiring conversations with business owners just like you who've built their business using video. Until next week, shoot for the moon.